Welcome to Cowboy Church with your host, Russ Weaver and Susie McIntyre. So sit back and enjoy some good singing, some great testimony, and some good preaching. Welcome to Cowboy Church. Hi, I'm Susie McIntyre. And I'm Russ Weaver. Welcome to a brand new episode of Cowboy Church on RFD TV. Hey, that is a really nice thing to really bring out their brand new episodes. Every week, Susie, every week for the entire year, we're having a brand new episode. That's wonderful. We've got inspirational speakers. We've got special singers. We've got stories all kinds of stories from people who need God just like me and you do. And we go some peculiar places, some interesting places. Mm -hmm. One of the places is at my church, yeah, Shepherd's Valley Cowboy <laughs> Church. I yeah. like that. That's right. So sit back, relax, and join us for Cowboy Church. You'll be glad you did. Turn around and hug two people before you sit down. Kind of get warmed up. How sweet it is to be loved by you.
And you can be seated. You probably think, oh, we never stood this long in church before in our lives. Crazy woman. I haven't shared my testimony at all this morning, but um, it reminds me this time of year with um, all of the graduations going on. And I have an 18-year-old boy that's fixing to graduate from Atoka High School in uh, southeastern Oklahoma. He's uh, the last one, had three children. Our oldest boy is 25 uh, the middle girl is um, 21, and then Samuel is 18. And so many people at this time of year say, what are you going to do with your life? What are you, you going to do? What are you going to go to college and study? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And in my own personal life, I'm going, just lay off of them. Lay off of them. How in the world can you decide what you're going to do at the age of 18, especially the way that we're raising our kids today? You know, a long time ago, the parents were, it was, daddy was a carpenter, the kids would probably be a carpenter or whatever. But nowadays, there's so many opportunities, so many places they can go. I didn't know until I was 27 years old what I was really supposed to do with my life, and that's when God called me to sing for Him. And without a shadow of doubt, I knew exactly what I was supposed to do. There are so many people still running around now at the age of retirement, have worked a job for so many years because it paid the bills, paid the mortgage, and they had good, good benefits. They've stuck with that job, and now what in the world are they going to do with their life, the rest of it? The man that wrote this song, There is a Fountain, was no different. When he was a young boy, his daddy instructed him to be a lawyer. No questions asked. You're going to be a lawyer. When he went to law school, he was about to take his, his bar exam. He had a mental breakdown. They put him in an insane asylum for 18 months. But sometimes what we think is bad is actually good because it was there that he picked up a Bible and he read what Jesus Christ had done for his sins. He realized that he had a savior. So he repented of his sins, accepted Jesus Christ, and God revealed to him what he was supposed to do with his life. He wrote so many hymns that he and John Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, put together a hymnal all by themselves. This is his song. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all the guilty stains lose all the guilty stains lose all the guilty Sinners plunged beneath that flood Lose all their guilty stains 
that fountain in his day and there may I though as well get to reality here. I don't know of one marriage that everything has just been blissful the whole marriage. And if it's based on that emotional effect, divorce happens. If it's not based on a decision and on commitment, it's a phony marriage and it won't work. They did a study a while back about uh, great successful people. And they did this study on successful people. And then what they found out, they found out that the one thing that they all had in common is when they were being raised, they all ate dinner with the family around a table, one meal a day on average. Now, I'm going to go back just a little bit to the methods or strategy of the devil. How busy are we that we don't take time to have a meal around a table, either breakfast or lunch or dinner, depending on what you call it, or supper? I, I did find out what dinner is, though. Down here, dinner is always the late one, supper. And up in the, the little northern areas, dinner is lunch. So I tried to figure out which is who, and you know what I found out? They were both right. 
Here's what dinner is. Dinner is the big meal, no matter if it's lunch or supper. Now you know. You, you just never know what kind of stuff you're going to learn here, do you? This is just amazing. But the thing that they all had in common, they would share a meal around a table at least one day a week. I'm going to roll through here. The missing ingredient, 1 John 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 11, for this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love, be committed to one another. You want to know some strategies that will work in your own life? Some strategies that will work in your own family? Some strategies that will work in your business? Make a commitment. Make a decision. Follow through with it. See, the thing about making a commitment and a decision, it's made because you've thought through things. If it's just an emotion, you're a victim of your emotion. You know what my dad told me about my wife? Before he ever met her, he said, Russ, you need to choose your wife wisely. He said, check her pedigree out. We raise horses. You know how important the mare is. Check her mama. My mom had me make a list of all the qualities that I wanted in a wife. I'm, I, we did not go into this thing blindfolded. We had all of these things aligned out here, and by the, time, by the time it came to time to make a decision, I was so nervous about making a decision that I became best friends with Anna because I, didn't, I thought it would be better if I stayed friends. I was scared of falling in love because that wasn't what we do at our family. And we're still best friends. So the missing ingredient is the decision-making factor and the action factor after you make a decision, the commitment to follow through with this thing despite or in spite of how you feel because love is not a feeling. Here's, here's the thing about a feeling. How many of you have ever done something and it turned out really right? You ever done just one thing, everyone? Nobody? Oh, they raise your hand here. Yeah. We've all had a few successes. When you've done something that comes out really right, now I want to ask you this great question. You did it. It turned out right. What happened when you realized it turned out really right? Didn't you have a feeling? You're happy about it. See, feelings follow good decisions and good follow-through. Feelings shouldn't be in charge. They should be a symptom of doing the right thing. And when you do the right thing and you experience successes over it, the feelings follow. Let make force cause your feelings to be an action that follows good decisions. That's what love is. All right. Well, we talked about healthy fellowship, koinonia. Let's go to the, let's go to the next one. It says the breaking of bread. Now, this is really similar to the koinonia. You said, well, we didn't fellowship, didn't we just talk about food around the table? Yeah. But the breaking of bread has to do with a little different factor. Here's the different factor. First of all, it, it all relates to taking communion. Because at communion, you break the bread, this is my body, this is my blood that was shed for you. And the breaking of bread has to do with a fellowship that's a different fellowship than that, oh, we're glad to see you, we're so happy. This is a fellowship that comes from difficulties. Breaking of bread together. 
See, when Christ died on a cross, it was sacrificial. When we commit our lives to Christ, oftentimes it's sacrificial. I'm going to die with him. In baptism, we talk about dying and out to the world, raising to new life. This breaking of bread has to do with the fellowship of suffering. The only way I know how to describe it, and I hate to keep mentioning this, but you know we lost a son in a car wreck in 97. And now almost every week, somebody calls me that has a friend that needs to talk with me because they lost a child. And one of my words that I give to them at all times, you are now a member of a fraternity that you would never sign up for. But we have a fellowship in suffering that we will always be close. Oh, you're one of us because you lost a child. See, that's a fellowship of suffering. There's a connection that goes with difficult times. The church is the perfect place for the fellowship of suffering because the, the rain falls on the just and the unjust alike. Good things are going to happen. Bad things are going to happen. What really, what really is important is how you handle difficult times because you'll all have them. And the church should be a place where difficult times are embraced and taken and improved on and worked to where you actually, in, in the middle of a difficult time as you progress through it, allow God to bring about something in your life that never would have been there if you hadn't gone through the difficult times. And let me just say this, tough times make great people. Difficult times make great people, but the church is a part of that. And so the breaking of bread has to do not just, not just with the uh, communion service, but it has to do with the fellowship of difficult times and the suffering that goes with it. Now it says, choose your death and choose your destiny. Here's the fellowship of suffering. First of all, if we're going to live with Christ, we must die. And what that means is this, and I'm going to put it real, real simple terms. If we don't choose the death of our flesh and our carnal sinful nature now, then what we're choosing is death later. We choose to die. We die out to sin and the things of sin. We choose life for eternity. What we're doing is we're choosing to die so that we're choosing the right destiny for life. You can't do that if you're making an emotional decision. So it's the fellowship of suffering. I choose to suffer with Christ. And what that means is this. Most of, most of the suffering happens, happens because it's a social deal. You choose to live for Christ and you decide you're not getting involved in some of the sinful stuff and your old heathen buddies, you know what they do? What are you, goody two-shoes or something? They'll get after you, they'll work you over and say, you need an answer for that. And when you have an answer for that, it's called peer pressure, yes. And we think only teenagers have trouble with peer pressure. I think adults have it worse. But when we choose to stand up against peer pressure, what we're doing is we're choosing to die to sin because we're choosing an eternal destiny of life. Man, that's good stuff. Philippians 3.10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. I just th let's, let's go on. I've got so much more to do. And Prayer. Philippians 4.6-7, be anxious for nothing by... But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. 
And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds. Where's the, where's the place of impact that the devil uses to get in? Your heart and mind. Or the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The, our strategy is to learn what the Bible says, to be involved in fellowship. That's why we have the church. And read your Bible. Russ, how come you keep getting back to that stuff? Because it's in the Bible. Because it works. It's foundations, it's fundamentals. And if you want to be a successful Christian, that's what it takes. If you want your family to end up in heaven, that's what it takes. If you want your community to have godly influence in your kids in the schools and in the the, the businesses of the community. That's what it takes. If you want your church to be the right kind of church, that's what it takes. All right, now we're going to go to the soap part. You're going to like this. It's a soap method. Here's the prevention for sin. Here's the prevention for corruption. Here's the prevention for the the, all of the stuff that happens in our business, in our communities, in our families, and in our own personal lives, the, the prevention is, is still soap. The last thing we're going to do is this. If you've never made a commitment to live for Christ, never ask Jesus to come into your heart, and you realize today is the day I need to get started on this program. I need to get started. And uh, you'd like to do that. Now, I'm, I'm pretty bashful. When I was a kid, I didn't like to come to the front. I didn't like anybody looking at me. And this is a personal thing between you and God, and I want to make it personal. I want it to be important. If you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ, there's two things that needs to happen. Number one, you need to confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and we don't have time to list them all. If you're like the rest of us, it's going to take you a couple days, and you probably forget some because there's a big list. And if that's, your, if, that, if that's your problem, you're in good company, we all have that. But God doesn't mind synopsizing, just saying I'm a sinner. The second thing is you have to believe that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ and the blood shed by Jesus Christ. And you have to accept him as your personal savior. Now you may struggle with that a little bit. So all I have to tell you is this, give it a try. Go for it with all you got. What you're doing isn't working. It's the best thing to do yet. And we're going to pray that. And we're going to pray out loud. I want you to pray out loud because we're all going to do that with you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. Come into my heart. I accept Jesus as my Savior. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.